0: My good people, what's happening? What's going on? Excelling? Striving? Living your best life? Well, I really hope you're doing so here on this Monday, August the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2018, as we inch that much closer to Labor Day weekend. Oh, geez. Uh, I am your host, Jay Reels, the host of the Jay Reels podcast, as I talk to you each and every week about what's going on in the world of sports. If this is your first time tuning in, getting a chance to listen to a new, fresh voice, going throughout the sports podcast universe, and you stumbled across my podcast wondering, who's this guy? Well, what's, what's he's got to say? Well, I thank you very much, not only for downloading the podcast, but also listening. Hopefully after this, you'll be able to come on back and maybe spread it with your friends, family, whoever it may be that loves sports. And if this is more than your first time tuning in, second, 12th, 20th time, I welcome you guys back. This week, a lot to discuss here on the podcast, as I'll start off with the baseball, but Later on in the podcast, I'll talk more about an event that's taking place in Manhattan with former University of Kentucky guard and NBA veteran, Tony Delk. Uh, Definitely want to big up his promotion of his book and his uh, wine collection, which I'll get into later on in the broadcast. I'll also talk a little bit about my health, which I haven't updated you guys in quite some time, so I'll fill you in on that. Just give you a heads up as to what to expect for physicals and things of that nature, because we all want everybody to live a long, healthy, and prosperous life. Uh, All the NFL news and notes that's uh, going on. Not really too much, but certainly keep you up to date with what's happening there. As well as the MLB pennant races. But we're going to start off with the Yankees and what they've done over the past week and what lies ahead for the Bronx Bombers. And very interesting week for them because they started in an 11-game homestand 10 days ago where they won three out of four against the Texas Rangers. Then they had a stretch where they're playing the Mets, Rays, and Jays. And in the middle of that, they lost three out of four, including the makeup game last Monday night at the stadium to the Mets. Had the Rays come in, and the Rays won a series for the first time at Yankee Stadium since 2014, winning two or three, including that crusher on Thursday afternoon where they had the bases loaded, nobody out, down 3-1 in the ninth inning, with the bottom of the order 9-1 and 2 coming up. And what that led to was a pop-up by Greg Bird, strikeout by Gardner, and I forgot the third guy who was up in that inning. I know maybe it was Andrew Har, who had uh, ended the game with a, uh, I believe it was a strikeout. So, Yankees then crawl into the weekend, still haven't really kept pace with the Red Sox, despite the fact that you can't think about the division right now if you're a Yankee fan. But the Yankees took care of business over the weekend, sweeping the Jays, uh, ending a very good homestand, considering the middle of it wasn't too keen if you're a Yankee fan. But Now as they move forward here, they have a week where they're going to play the bottom of the National League East and the American League East back-to-back with the Marlins and the Orioles. And all you could look at, which may sound like a broken record, but all you could look at moving forward if you're a Yankee fan is getting the health back of your key players. And for all intents and purposes, you're pretty much going to be playing out the string barring just an epic collapse. Because as you know, at this moment, right now, you have a very comfortable lead in the wild card. So you're going to host a game come October 2nd. But you know that during this 6 weeks period, it's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Boone, what buttons he's going to press, how this team is going to perform when there's pretty much nothing on the line. You have nothing at stake. You're not going to push for a division. You're not going to push for home in the wild card because you're pretty much entrenched there. And despite the fact that Oakland caught Houston over the weekend, on Sunday, tied for first place and then Houston winning that game to now they have the lead in the AL West. It's pretty much going to be duped out between Houston, Oakland, and Seattle. You know, barring just, like I said, a collapse, the Yankees, at worst, are going to be hosting that wild card game. So how do you look at this team moving forward considering you don't have all your key components? You may have another key Cogging your lineup out with Didi Gregorius. And we'll get to that in a second. So when you take a look at the land. And you wonder how this team is going to have its edge. How this team is going to have its fight. Of course they're going to be playing these games throughout. And they're going to be looking forward to the postseason. But is it pedal off the metal? Is Aaron Boone going to take it easy? Is he going to rest a lot of players? Is he realize that he's going to have to start playing Not a certain way, but not playing certain players knowing that they don't have a lot to push for. And in the grand scheme of things, of course, they have a lot to push for. They have a playoff that's on the horizon and they're going to go into that one game knowing that they've experienced it. Not with this manager, of course, but knowing that it's do or die going into October with the one game as they experienced last year and in 2015. But the one thing that you have to concern yourself if you're the Yankees is not being able to lose that edge and hoping to get those key components back in the lineup. Now you still have plenty of time for them to mend, for them to get better, for them to kind of get their baseball timing and baseball rhythm back. And I'm talking about the guys like Aaron Judge who it's been now more than three weeks and a lot of people thought the timetable was going to be three weeks before he swung a bat and right now he's Barely doing any type of baseball activities. Gary Sanchez, who's on the mend from that groin injury that he suffered down in Tampa. And they're taking it easy with him, knowing that they still have a nice month and a half left of the season for him to get back to 100% because anything short of that would just be a waste of time. So he's going to be in rehab games. He's slowly but surely coming back. I wouldn't be surprised. If they're going to wait until Labor Day, give him another couple of weeks, and then hopefully, in the month of September, he could just take off, and then blend right into October for a deep postseason run. You have CC Sabathia is on the DL again. Nothing major, but at the same time, he's another key component where people may look at him and say, "Ah, well, he's a you know fourth starter at best," but we know what type of performer he is on that big stage, that, right, he may not fool a lot of people or he's not going to blow people away with his stuff, but he's crafty. He's cagey. He's a guy that can get a big out in October or put up some innings. And we all know he's in a lineup that will certainly give him run support. But if you're a Yankee fan, and more importantly, if you're the Yankees, you're going to look at this final six-week stretch here as a means to get back on the beam of just playing consistent baseball and having your players elevate their game and stay fresh and stay hungry because this is going to be an interesting stretch for a first-year manager to kind of push all the right buttons leading up to that wild card game the second day of October. And if you don't think that's the case, then you're certainly not paying attention. If you think the Yankees are just going to turn the switch on and once Judge is back and Sanchez and – You know, a lot of the players that are out at the moment, uh, think again. Because it's going to take time for a lot of these guys to get back and get that timing, game situation, whatever it may be, and you want to give them a few weeks in advance. Yeah, it's easy to just say, hey, we'll see you in October. We're good here at the top spot of the wild card. We know we're not catching the Red Sox, so let's just take it easy. That's the last thing you want to do. You still have six games with the Red Sox, which will probably not mean anything, but just being able to face that type of competition, yeah, you're going to see the Orioles a lot. You're going to see the Blue Jays again. You're going to see the Twins when you go to Minnesota. You're going to have an interesting West Coast trip when you go to Seattle and Oakland. But a lot of these games are going to be against, let's face it, the dregs of the American League. So now, after the Yankees, you want to get healthy, you want to be able to get. These guys back in the lineup. And now with Didi, with that collision at first base yesterday with Kendrick Morales, he supposedly did something with his heel. They say it's a bruise, but it could possibly land him on the DL. I'm sure an MRI, although it hasn't been reported as of yet, and it's just after 12 noon here in New York, that Didi may miss some time here. And the Yankees will be fine, not because of where they're at in the standings and for everything that I mentioned, but... They'll put Ronald Torres there, and we all know Torres has been a spark plug when he's been in the lineup. He had a few hits in a game the other day. Obviously, he's not only a fan favorite, but he's certainly a favorite from the guys in the clubhouse. So they shouldn't miss a beat with having Torres there play over the course of the next two weeks. And, you know, we all know the guys who have performed to this point. You know, Andrew has just been unbelievable. Chances are he's going to run away with this rookie of the year. Giancarlo Stanton, we'll get into with him a little bit as he makes his return to Miami tomorrow night and Wednesday down at Marlins Park. He's still been hitting the tar out of the baseball, has 32 home runs right now. He's on a pace to hit over 40 when everybody was booing him the first two weeks of the season. Greg Bird hit a big grand slam to see if he could get himself on track. There's been a lot of talk about him just being a disappointment. Will he ever get it? Will he ever... Have his, I don't want to say Yankee moment, but will he ever have his Yankee career blossom to where a lot of people thought that he could be one of the main guys in this lineup? Well, you can't just base it on the grand slam yesterday, but you only hope that he gets headed in the right direction as far as really contributing on a consistent basis and making himself known in this Yankee lineup. And again, the story from here until October. And as crazy as it sounds, that they're going to l- literally play out the string, but on the positive side, because whenever you hear the play out the string is because they're just playing until they go on the golf course the first or second day of October. But the Yankees, they're actually going to play out the string until their wild card game and how they stay fresh, how they stay focused, how they stay motivated. And people could say they're major league ball players. Come on, J. Real. How can they not be motivated? Well, when you go through these lulls, And you go through stretches where you're so far ahead of the wild card and you know you're not going to chase the division-leading Red Sox. And next thing you know, you cruise to 102 wins or whatever their number is at the end of the year. And then you get ready for a wild card game. And then the lights are on. The switch doesn't go on automatically. And then that's it. Exit stage right. And then you're off to the golf course. Just two or three days after the... 20 other teams have packed up and said sayonara for 2018. So if you're a Yankees and you know that this time is to get everybody back in the mix, get everyone healthy, get everybody as close to in sync as possible, because let's face it, there are no excuses if they play in a wild card game and not win and go off into the winter quietly because it will be a bitter disappointment. I don't care if it's against Houston, Seattle, or Oakland that they play in that wild card game. doesn't matter. This team had tremendous aspirations coming into the season. This team had World Series aspirations. Please, they were just one game away from World Series last year. Anything short of that is just a bitter disappointment. Let's just face it. Call it as I see it. If a Yankee fan wants to say, oh, we had all the injuries, or, oh, you know, hey, people thought we were gonna go to the World Series, but you know, the Red Sox are a juggernaut. No, no no. Doesn't work that way. You guys are still thirty three games over five hundred or whatever it is, and you have a legitimate shot of going to a World Series, injuries or no injuries, because all the other teams have them as well. Chris Sale's back on the D L for the Red Sox, who for who knows how long. And that's going to be a major blow, especially come October. Are they not going to make the playoffs because Chris Sale's on the shelf for 10 days or longer? No. But we all know when the bell is rung and game one of the division series is there and there's no Chris Sale, then if you're a Red Sox fan, you're not going to hear, oh, well, we didn't have Chris Sale. That's why we didn't win a playoff series or we didn't go to a World Series. Huh? Sorry. Those are the chips that fall and those are what you have to deal with. That's all there is to it. And I'm sure the Yankee fans are not going to feel sorry if Chris Sale's not there. Where the Yankees could potentially play the Red Sox in the division series if they win their wild card game and they will go up to Fenway for game one. You think they're going to be tears streaming down their cheeks? The Yankee fans? Oh, geez, no Chris Sale. I can't believe this. Oh, my God. You know, this is not fair. (laughs) They're going to be jumping for joy knowing that they may not see him twice in that series. So that's what you have with the Yankees. I mean, other than that, nothing else to report. They have a very easy week, like I said. We'd have the two games in Miami, and then they have four in Baltimore this weekend. One of them is a makeup from a game earlier this year that was rained out, which would be Saturday. So they're doing a day night on Saturday, and sandwiched in between that will be Friday and Sunday night. I can't believe they got the Sunday night game. I mean, I understand it's the Yankees, but the Orioles? There's nobody on the Orioles. Like, why? Why are they the Sunday night matchup? Well. Uh, It doesn't matter for me because I'm not going to be watching. But the Miami series coming up here for a one Giancarlo Stanton, uh, I'm sure it's going to be not only interesting, but even more so it's going to be very nostalgic. A team he played for for seven years. We all know the ups and downs if you followed his career when he was in Miami and everything that had transpired. Winning an MVP, which culminated last year before he was traded in December. You know, the fire sale after the 2012 rebranding of the organization with the new ballpark, the new uniforms, you know, bringing in the, you know, the Mark Burleys of the world, the Jose Reyes of the world, Heath Bell, you know, all those type of guys. And then afterwards being shipped out, the things he said there, the big contract that he signed, all of that. So you kind of wonder, I'm sure he's going to downplay it. I'm sure he's going to look at it from a standpoint of, hey, you know, I'm just here to play baseball. Yes, I've had seven years, but that's in the past. And then here we are today. I'm sure he's going to get a standing ovation, I would think. I mean, if the 20 Marlin fans that are going to go, and I'm sure the place will probably be sold out or close to sold out considering it's going to be 90% Yankee fans in the building. But I'm sure he's going to feel some butterflies knowing that he has a lot of memories there. More bad than good. But remember, he finished his 10 years at Marlin winning an MVP. I'm sure a lot of the fan base realizes that he's not the villain in the whole trade and in the whole dynamic of what had happened there during the winter meetings last year. He should get a rousing ovation from the Marlin fans. I'm sure more of the Yankee fans can be standing applauding, just being thankful that he's on their team. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he performs. I know in the two games earlier this year, which remember going back to that first couple of weeks of the season, I believe he went 0 for 8 with four or five strikeouts. So he had a terrible two-game series against them Back in the Bronx, this time around, I'm sure he's going to look for a little bit of revenge, probably put on a show if possible. Uh, and remember, he has a hamstring injury, injury that he's been dealing with. That's why he's been not playing the field and he's been uh aging But as we all know, National League ballpark, he'll be in right field. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting couple of days for him and to see how that uh, unfolds. I'm sure he's probably looking forward to just getting over with. He'll probably have some emotion uh, considering, and also the other thing I didn't mention, part of his tenure, you know, Jose Fernandez and what happened there two years ago. So, if you're a baseball fan, I'm sure you'll be glued to see how he's going to perform down there, what type of ovation he's going to get, how the Yanks perform, because as we all know, the Yanks against the lower rung of baseball, whether it be the Mets, whether it be the, even the Marlins, because they split earlier this year, the Orioles, uh, teams like that, you know, they have not fared well against them this year, which is pretty much the separation between them and the Red Sox because the Red Sox have played well against the uh, bottom half of uh, Major League Baseball. So if the Yankees could come away with this with a 5-1 and one week, I'm sure you'll say, all right, all is well in the world. If they're 3-3, three and three, you certainly won't sign for that. But uh, that's why it makes baseball fascinating. What's made this, actually this year fascinating from the Yankees' standpoint because as dominant as they've been at times this year, they certainly have downplayed to the talent that are beneath them. So they certainly haven't risen to the occasion against these bad teams, more so better than the upper echelon of baseball. But uh, that's why we watch the games. That's why to, you know that's why we follow. So we'll certainly keep an eye on that as time goes along, uh, as the Yankees again embark on a uh, quick road trip before coming home leading into the Labor Day weekend. As for the Mets, not much to discuss here, but there are three things that I do want to talk about from the Met front. One is the Jacob Degrom Cy Young Award, and that's going to be the only reason why you watch the Mets is when he pitches. Now he's going to pitch again Thursday afternoon against the Giants. He won't pitch over the weekend against the Nationals because I'm sure a lot of the Met fan, like myself, would like to see him go up against and beat the Nationals. But and not to go crazy over Cy Young Award, it's kind of like what the Met fan did back in 2012 with R. A. Dickey because that was the only thing that they, you know, could watch and hang their hat on. As they just watched another season go by. But with DeGrom. Because he's having this dominant year. Where his ERA is now at 1.71. He's getting into some rarefied air. When it comes to having a season like that. With the ERA. With his strikeouts. I mean not that he's having a record breaking with the strikeouts. But he's just been phenomenal. As we know. Pretty much from start to finish. And where he's going to line up here with the likes of Max Scherzer, and Aaron Nola in particular, because that's pretty much going to be his competition for the Cy Young, is something to keep our eye on. Now, he doesn't have the wins like those guys do, and Aaron Nola had a dominant performance against the Mets there last Friday night when he matched up against Noah Syndergaard, struck out 11, was and Nola's been fantastic this year. And, of course, he's in a pennant race. you got to take that just a smidge in consideration, but obviously not because you look at other pitchers that have won the Cy Young Award. You look at Felix Hernandez that one year, which is the the modicum of uh, success that he had or not to say, you know, which is a standard when you look at a guy who has a an ERA and numbers across the board that match up against the better pitchers, but the win-loss number doesn't equate where that year, I think for Hernandez was 13 and 12. DeGrom, Still has plenty of starts left, so he could certainly distance himself with the win loss record. But as we all know, if all the other numbers, such as the whip, the ERA, the batting average against, or, you know, all those other numbers that factor into the Cy Young, other than wins, will certainly be at the forefront of him winning this award. And again, it's just an individual award. Can't get crazy. Can't get too wrapped up into it, but it's something to be discussed because of what he's done this year. His record is only eight and seven. And for him to win a Cy Young with just such a low win-loss total, it's rarely seen. You know, usually the guys who win a Cy Young, you know, 22 and four, uh, 21 and seven, you know, 18 and five, whatever it may be. You may have a guy who's going to win a Cy Young. He could be 13 and eight. Well, who knows if the Mets, as we all know, they don't get enough run support for him as a begin, you know, to begin with, but that's why we're gonna watch. That's why we'll see. So that's number one. Number two is the development of Ahmed Rosario, who has certainly been playing well, especially at the plate over the last eight to ten days or so. His defense oh, well, let me start by saying this. We know he's raw, he has very raw ability. And he's, gonna, he's been learning here on the fly. We understand that as a Met fan, when you look across town, you see the Miguel Andujars and the Gleyber Torreses of the world who at you know 20 and 21 years old are light years away from the production of what Ahmed Rosario has produced. But you still have to look at this kid as a major cornerstone on your team. You know, when you're looking at guys like Syndergaard, Degrom, if he's going to be here long term, Conforto healthy, you figure long term, and obviously Rosario, he's a guy that you could certainly put in your lineup, whether it be at leadoff or even somewhere down the bottom of the lineup. But you would think that because of his speed and his raw ability, he's probably better suited once he learns the strike zone a lot better to be a top of the lineup type of guy. But now he's you know he's been showing some power. His extra base hits had a big hit yesterday in the little league game out in Williamsport against the Phillies to pretty much jumpstart a Met victory. And what Mickey Calloway needs to do is just let him go the rest of the season. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense, which is one of the poor, re- you know, one of the many reasons why he's been so abysmally poor this year. Mickey Calloway is because he'll have a stretch, Rosario that is, where he'll go, let's say, He's batting 333 over his last eight games, and now the Mets are facing Max Scherzer, so, oh, I don't want to put the kid out there to face against a guy like Max Scherzer. He's playing Major League Baseball. Why not? Why not put him out there? Let him learn. Let him see what this this is the best in the business. Let him see what he has. Let him go up against that type of pitcher. Don't coddle him to think that, all right, well, this guy's been batting 300 or 333 over the course of a week, week and a half, and then let me sit him down against this guy Or because he's doing well, yeah, I want to give him a couple days off. What are you doing? This guy's going to be on your team for many years to come, and this is his baptism by fire. He needs to go in there through the good, bad, indifferent, whatever it may be, and learn to go up against these type of pitchers, this type of competition. So the way he's performed recently, barring any injury, he needs to play every day. Every game, every inning. That's it. That is it. And then you only hope going into 2019, if you're the Met fan, that all this experience that he's gotten this year, through the ups and downs, even when Callaway pulled him out of stretches where he's been performing for, you know, very well, now you could look at him going into next year saying, all right, let's see if he has a better idea of the strike zone. Let's see if he could harness that Ability at shortstop that he has those flashes where he makes these great plays, great throws, but at the same time, he bumbles the easy plays. Now it's time for him to take that next step to be that much more of a better and productive player so the Mets could hang their hat on and bank on, all right, this kid's going to be part of our organization. And not only that, he's going to be one of our jewels moving forward because he's this young kid that was projected to be, you know, a top two, three talent coming out of the minor leagues at the start of last year. Because that's what the Mets need. With other organizations, you know, the Ronald Acunas of the world and guys like that, the Ozzy Albies, you know, all these guys that come up through the ranks and starting at 20 years old, 19, Juan Soto's, uh, these guys that have just made splashes coming in, you know, the Mets at some point deserve to have somebody like that. And people are going to talk about bad luck and curses. Yeah, bad luck, yes, curses is, please, a little bit far fetched, but at the same time, It would be nice to get this guy that much more experience so he could develop and become that bonafide, I'm not going to say superstar, but that bonafide star come those middle years in his 20s when he's 24, 25, 26, 27, and hopefully could just take off from there. And then one last thing, David Wright, I know he's making his comeback and God bless him. And by any means, I'm not going to throw cold water on him or this comeback. As Mets fans, we've resigned to the fact that he's ever going to come back. But the one thing that speaks volumes about him and about just baseball players in general, and there are times where we categorize a lot of these players and we look at them as spoiled or we look at them as being babied and soft. And To a certain degree, that's correct. Soft, I know, is a very strong word to even bring up when it comes to any sport, let alone or any player in any sport. But here's a guy in David Wright who has had just terrible health a couple years after he signed that big contract. We all know about the spinal stenosis, his shoulder, everything that's pretty much stopped his career going back to May 2016 to today. But God bless him as he's in St. Lucie playing five innings, playing third base. I know he's had a few pop-ups. I don't know. They haven't really gotten the whole... Layout, or I haven't gotten the whole picture as far as him and what he's done in the field, as far as taking ground balls, you know, moving laterally, things of that nature. But for him to continue to work hard, continue to battle to prove that once he got that money, he wasn't going to rest on his laurels. He wasn't going to say, Well, I got the contract. I could just ride it on out. I'm going to retire. It says a lot about him and his character. And I get that his character isn't going to get game-winning hits or isn't going to increase his war or isn't going to add that much more to a team that's going nowhere in 2018. But it does say a lot about him and a lot about what other players should do in the midst of that baseball purgatory, knowing that, oh, geez, I'm at the back end of my career. I've got the money. Do I continue to fight for my career? Do I continue to fight for my position on this team? And maybe it helps that he's been, you know, this is the only team that he's ever known. If this was a guy that has, you know, been on two teams or had been traded and maybe he'll look at it as like, ah, you know what? I got my money. Uh, I'm going to give it my all to get back on the field, but if I know it's dire, then that's it. I'm just going to hang him up. Maybe that'd be a different approach if he was a veteran that had been on a couple of the teams, but he's not. This is the team he's known his whole life, and as a commitment to that contract and as a commitment to himself to go out there and give it his all until he can't give it his all anymore. So props to David Wright for that. I know he was, what, 2 for 17. He got two hits yesterday in a single-A game down in St. Lucie, which were his first two hits in 17 at-bats that he's had since he's uh, started playing down there. But again, I I just thought to give him a shout-out because in this day and age where somebody has hangnail, and they're out for the year, and right away it's like, oh, geez, you know, this guy has no heart, or he's, like I said before, he's soft, or he doesn't want to come back, or whatever it is. But here is number five, the guy who's won this number for the last 14 years, and although we haven't seen him on the field in the last two, certainly much respect goes out to him for just continuing to try to get back on the field any way, shape, or form. So, Captain, that one's for you. Now to go through the uh, MLB pennant races through that landscape real quick. Earlier I mentioned about Oakland and Houston. They just finished a series out in California where the A's actually came even as of early yesterday morning. Came all the way back. Now remember, this team was pretty much, I don't want to say dead and buried for a division, but they were eight games back. They were, if you go back a couple of months, and here they were Neck and neck with the Houston Astros going into yesterday's game. But with Justin Verlander on the mound, he won his 200th game uh, of his career. They ended up winning 9-4, which was big for them because now it puts them a game ahead as they continue on here with the season. And uh, you can't say enough about how remarkable the Oakland A's have done here in the season with guys that you never even heard of. And it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes down, especially if you're a Yankee fan. Because could you imagine if Oakland at the end of the year, and Seattle is right now they're kind of treading water, but uh, slowly but surely, if Houston and Oakland continue, you know, continue to hold up their end of the bargain, Seattle's going to just fall out of the mix. So now you may have a division race between both the Mariners and Astros. Could you imagine if the I'm sorry with the Astros and Athletics? Could you imagine if the A's win a division? Where they will play against the Cleveland Indians, and then the Red Sox will await the wild card winner of Houston and the Yankees. If Houston comes to New York with Justin Verlander on the mound, and granted that you'll have Luis Severino, okay, but Verlander, who has pitched well the second he arrived in Houston last August, I'm sure Yankee fans are going to be sweating at the brow a little bit knowing that their season could end on the back of number 35. And I would think for sure that they would rather face the Oakland A's in a one game playoff than the defending champion Houston Astros. So that's just something to something to monitor here as we continue to move forward here in this baseball season. And that race there in the AL West, obviously there's nothing to talk about in the AL Central. Uh, let's see what else in the same with the AL East. As far as the National is concerned, Braves and Phillies. Also, I'm going to throw the nationals in the mix. If the nationals have any guts, any fight, these three games against the Phillies this week is going to be a telltale sign as to where the season is going. And as it is right now, it's going out to sea. They're a game under 500. They've been pathetic. We all know they've underachieved. It's been a disgrace and it doesn't matter who the manager is. You know, whether it was Matt Williams a few years back and he won manager of the year, whether it was Dusty the last two years taking his team to the postseason back-to-back times and then a new skipper in Dave Martinez, it doesn't matter. Uh, you could put Tony La Russa there. You know, you could bring out uh, Miller Huggins from uh, uh, old Yankee lore. It doesn't matter because the Nationals have been in just an absolute disappointment. But if there's any fight left in that team and in that organization – We'll see what's going to happen here midweek when the Phillies visit the Nationals for three games. Uh, But then you have Atlanta and Philly, which is a very interesting race. We all know the Phillies are a half game back of Atlanta. And we, we know at the end of the year, they're going to face each other seven times in the last 10 days of the season. So it's probably going to narrow down to that. I know you have an interesting development there with the Braves. I know last week you had the situation with Ronald Acuna Jr. when he walked up to the plate Wednesday night at the tail end of a four-game series, he had hit home runs in five straight games, and the three games prior were all in his first at-bat against the Marlins. So what happens, the first pitch by the uh, Marlin pitcher, Jose Urania throws it, hits him right in the elbow, look, it was going dead square right for the ribs, and it almost led to just an all-out battle on the field, where there was a lot of backlash from Certain places, especially what Keith Hernandez had said, if you're here locally, saying that, well, hey, to paraphrase, that he deserved it. And I know what he was saying. We all have to be PC here in 2018. We all have to watch what we say. And to a certain extent, that's that's how it is, despite freedom of speech. And we get that. Because we certainly don't want to upset the apple cart of a certain demographic, certain people, whatever it may be. But I agree with Keith Hernandez because here's a kid that – and I got nothing against Acuna Jr. I mean, he's going to be – he's already a borderline superstar and he's going to be one of the faces of MLB for years to come. But when he has hit five straight games of home runs, three against your team in, its, in his first at-bat, guess what? You got to make him uncomfortable. Should he have gone after him in that way? Definitely not. He should have brushed him off the plate. Even if you want to pitch around him, throw the first one up and in, you get to three and zero. You're going to throw one another, one another one inside. Fine, make him uncomfortable. That's the point. And then there was a gif that went around with a, with a Urania because they chronicled each first pitch of all of his starts this year, and none of them were even close inside. So we we knew he was throwing at him. Obviously, he's going to say the right thing. Oh, the pitch got away from me. Yes, I was trying to throw inside, but I wasn't trying to hit him, so on and so forth, whatever. I mean, but that was just blatant. And how I look at it, again, they shouldn't have hit him, but you definitely want to make him have some happy feet in that box, knowing that if he got some chin music, that, ooh, okay, well, let me just bear down in here and see what else is going to come at me throughout the course of this at-bat. And the kid has just been raking against your team. Non-stop and pretty much all the baseball. So, I agree with Keith Hernandez. I didn't tweet anything about it. I just pretty much stood calm. Didn't really really say much. But I will say this. They face each other this Saturday in Marlins Park, where Urania is going to start. It's going to be, I don't think any of the Atlanta pitchers will retaliate, or excuse me, will retaliate until he gets to the plate. And that's where it's going to get feisty. Because whomever's going to start that day, and I really don't know, I did look ahead to see that Urania's going to pitch that day, but uh, the starter for the Braves eludes me at the moment. But it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. Are they going to throw at JT Romuto in that first go-around at bat, or are they going to wait to throw at Urania? And if that's going to be the case, then it's going <laughs> to be an all-out war on that field at Marlins Park Saturday. So just something to keep in mind as to what happened last week. And what may lie ahead down in South Florida there Saturday night. Then you have the NL Central with the Cubs and Brewers. Brewers are trying to hang tight there. They uh, certainly, for whatever the reason, even with some of the trades that they made, a lot of it we all know bulls down the pitching. But you know, even bringing in you know whether it was uh, Mustakas I don't know how he's done since he's been there. Obviously, he hasn't lit the world on fire because, of course, that would be all the rage as far as news coming out of the NL Central. And also getting uh, Jonathan Scope from Baltimore. So they haven't really made the impact that they would have liked to have seen, especially being in the middle of this pennant race. But it's going to be interesting to see how Milwaukee plays this down the stretch because we all know the Cubs have been there. They know what it's going to take to win these big games. Brewers... Certainly, jury's still out when it comes to them as far as that's concerned. I know the Cardinals have made a little push here, and uh, they may be laying in the weeds. But again, even with you know being four games back, and still have to look at the schedule to see where, and the Cubs and Cardinals have played a zillion times already, so they probably only have a few, you know, probably just a handful, uh, two series left. Even if it is two series, it's good. But again, uh, it's not as if they have uh, nine or ten games left with them throughout the you know, last six weeks of the season. So now, let's see how that all unfolds there in the Central. And the same for the NL West, Colorado, who's been playing very well. Half game behind the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Dodgers. have taken a couple steps back here, but still in the mix two games back. Those are the races that you're going to see from here on out. uh, AL West and NL West and the AL Central is pretty much all you have when it comes to breaking down this whole pennant race. Because, as we know, AL East, as I said, AL Central, and of course the NL East, too. I forgot, I failed to mention them. So, you got a whole national league you got to look at, and just an AL West to decipher and chew on here as we get down to about the last, what, 38 to 40 games here of a baseball season. And that's pretty much what we got here when it comes to baseball. As we turn our attention to football, not much to discuss here when it comes to the quarterback situation for the Jets. Now, Teddy Bridgewater did have a better game than Sam Darnold. When you look at the numbers, 10 for 15 with 127. He did throw a pick, but also had a touchdown. Sam Darnold was just uh, 8 for 11, 62 in a pick in the game against the Redskins. This game coming up against the Giants, which we all know, third game in the preseason, you're going to get the starters in for at least a half. I would think Teddy Bridgewater is going to start, probably play all the first half. And as I said last week, to me, this is more – Teddy Bridgewater's job to lose. And that's not a knock on Sam Darnold. That's not to say that he can't overtake the job or play that much better here the last two preseason games for him to get to start at week one. But Bridgewater, as we know, despite the fact of the injury history the last couple of years, we know that he's had the experience and he's had the reps in this league more so than Sam Darnold. I understand that Jeff may come out and say, hey, but this guy's our future. Teddy Bridgewater's only signed here for one year. I get that. But that goes back to even last year when you had Josh McCown come in and a lot of people thought, hey, start Bryce Petty to see what we have. You know, we want to see what we have in Christian Hackenberg, although Hackenberg never sniffed the field as a member of the Jets or even members of any team for that matter. But with Darnold, you know that he is your future, but if Bridgewater is the guy that's the most effective here in camp, he's going to win the job. So you can't go crazy – Thinking that, oh, if Donald doesn't get the starting job, that you're not going to see him throughout the course of the year. I'm sure there's going to come a point if the Jets are three and seven and it's week 11 that Donald's going to ride this sucker out for the last six games, build off of that into next year. Or, God forbid, if Bridgewater gets hurt, I'm sure Donald's going to be in line for number two and then Donald's going to ride the season out. So, Jet fans can't get crazy to think that if Donald isn't starting week one that, oh, that's it. The sky's falling. What are the Jets doing? They have no clue. Oh, hey, people, don't you know if Bridgewater is going to continue to be productive, let's say he goes out against the Giants first team and he puts up similar numbers to what he did the other night, even if he does throw an interception. You know, but if he's completing 66% of his passes and he's throwing for a considerable amount of yards and, right, he's getting the ball in the end zone, (laughs) don't you think he's going to start week one? They're not going to say, oh, well, you know what, Teddy, why you had a great preseason, but because Sam Donald's our future, we got to start this guy. It's not going to happen. So I, that's pretty much all you have. I know that Jet Giant game is going to be the barometer where all the fans are going to look at and say, oh, well, if Bridgewater has a bad game and Donald lights it up, that, oh, Donald should get the job. Oh, that's not going to happen. You know, if Donald did it against the first team, then you kind of say, ooh, all right, well, now we have a uh, – Dreaded quarterback controversy. But that's not going to happen. I would think it's going to be Bridgewater's job to lose, like I said, barring an injury or barring anything catastrophic where Bridgewater, you know, goes three for 15 and throws three picks, and then Donald comes in and mops up and does well. I mean, if that happens, then, right, all bets are off. So if you're a Jet fan, you just got to hang tight, see how this plays out. But again, it's probably going to be Bridgewater to start against Detroit week one. The Giants, again, nothing really to report there. Noah Beckham, Eli didn't play. You're sure you're going to see them this week against the Jets. And you just take it from there. And as far as the NFL is concerned, you know, you you had some injuries here in week two of preseason. The biggest one being Zach Martin, the offensive lineman for the Cowboys. He had a knee injury. Uh, They're downplaying it. They're saying that uh, I don't think it's anything that's going to be substantial. They're certainly not worried about it, but they're waiting to get the MRI back to see what it's going to be like. So for them, you would only hope that it's only going to be a couple weeks where they're just say bye-bye to the rest of the preseason and hopefully be there week one. So if you're a Cowboy fan, you're certainly holding your breath to make sure that he's going to be uh, right and ready for opening weekend. And uh, besides that, I mean, it really isn't much more to discuss. The report, you know, you're going to get a lot of cuts and things of that nature after this. Week three, as I've said before, which is pretty much all the starters will be in there for a half. You'll see what the production is going to be like across the board with a lot of these players, and I'm sure a lot of where the quarterbacks will be as far as whether it's here in New York or up in Buffalo or anywhere else that there may be a uh, situation or change of quarterback certainly remains to be seen. And, uh, yeah, that's what you pretty much got. It's nothing else really to report here. As we're now, what is it, uh, 17 days from Atlanta versus Philadelphia, eight twenty down at the link to open up the NFL season. And before I wrap up, just a couple of quick notes. I mentioned last week on the podcast that uh, former guest, University of Kentucky guard and NBA veteran Tony Delk, uh, if you want to go back in the archives, you can definitely take a listen to that. I believe it's episode 11. may have said that at the start of the program, but... Uh, he's having an event at Jack Dempsey's. Jack Dempsey's is a very popular bar in Midtown. The address 36 West 33rd Street, New York, New York, 10001. Of course, you could Google Maps it if you're coming from out of town. It's uh, pretty much right located in the shadow of the uh, Empire State Building. Uh, he'll be there Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m., not only promoting his book, which is Shooter, the story of uh, Tony Delk, of the story of Double Zero, which is the number that he wore in college and, of course, in the pro's. And obviously his wine collection, which came out, uh, called Lorenzo's Reserve. Some Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon for those who are uh, wine connoisseurs and certainly want to get a chance to try one of his uh, splendid wines. I have not had an opportunity to try any of the wines yet or uh, read the book, but I will be sure uh, to be there front and center uh, for that event. So for those who want to come on down, want to support Tony Delk. He's a good guy, very good guy. Uh, gracious enough to uh, bless me to come on to the podcast. Uh, we'll be live, directing in full effect there between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. Saturday, August 25th. I'll actually be racing that morning. I'm doing a Spartan race that morning. So if you see me with bumps and bruises or achy or uh, hobbling around, that's the reason why. Uh, that'll be up in West Point for those who are interested. But uh, the event, Tony Delk uh, with Lorenzo's Reserve and the book shooter, Jack Dempsey's, 36 West 33rd Street. You can go on the website to take a look at the flyer if you want, just to get a better idea of who he is and what the event's about. It's on my website at uh, www.jreels.com. I'll also post it everywhere on Instagram, uh, which, of course, J Reels. Twitter, J Reels 1, and Facebook will be the J Reels Podcast. So you see it on there. So come on down. Maybe we'll have a glass of wine, chat with Tony, chat about sports, events, Up and coming interviews, things of that nature. I'll be down there. He'll be down there. It should be a great time. So uh, definitely come down and support a uh, former champion. That's right. Former most outstanding player of the Final Four back in 96 where he and his Kentucky Wildcats won the NCAA Men's College Basketball Championship. And then lastly, I know weeks ago I mentioned about my health and taking a couple of tests in particular that I've uh, been fortunate enough to explore and kind of been brought to my attention from other podcasts. Uh, But what I'll say, people, is that my health is fine. I'm good, good spirits. And again, it's not just about physical health, people. It's about mental health. So we all all have to work on that too because everybody could say, hey, I feel good, I feel fine, I run 10 miles, I crossfit, I do Spartan races. But if it's not between the ears, that's another thing. But as far as the physical health is concerned, there were two tests that I took. One was a – lipoprotein A, which I believe I discussed the and gave you the results of that. Pretty much what that is, that is a sticky cholesterol which is genetic. So if your family history has either heart disease or unfortunately if any family members or friends have suffered from heart attacks, definitely check for lipoprotein A. Also um, a C-reactive protein which is not detected in a regular blood test. So You'd be remiss that if you have an appointment or if you have a physical coming up and you're just going to get a regular blood to find out your cholesterol, this, no, make sure you ask your doctor lipoprotein A, C-reactive protein, and homocysteine, but the lipoprotein A covers all that. And pretty much if your score is at zero, you're good to go. If it's below 50, it's it's very good. 50 to 100, it's moderate. Anything from 100 to 200, not good. Anything over that is awful. Uh, so you definitely got to check that because, again, it doesn't come up on a regular blood panel. That's number one. And the second thing is, and this is, has to be cleared, I believe, by your insurance. So you, you, before you even go into this test or look into it, make sure that your insurance covers a coronary artery calcium scan, which takes a look at your heart through a CAT scan. And it pretty much detects not only just the, Age of your heart, but also the age of your other organs, meaning that if your heart is healthy, chances are the rest of your organs are healthy as well. And how that goes is that, again, if you have a zero, flying colors, the best score you could ever have. If it's below 10, you're in very good condition. If it's 10 to 50, moderate. 50 to 100, watch out. 100 and above, dangerous. So the lower the better. My calcium score was eight. So, and that doesn't mean, people, that just because you get these low scores, you could go out, hey, I could eat fried food, I could eat Burger King. No, no, no. The whole point is they know what these scores are so you could prevent further damage. Or if you do have high scores, it's to reverse a lot of the damage that you've done to yourself. Because as we all know, people, we're not getting any younger. I'm going to be 50 next year. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take these tests for my own peace of mind is to be sure that, hey... If these scores aren't low enough, I need to make them as low as I possibly can. And as you get older, you know, it's not like you're continuing to develop. Your body's already developed. Now you're starting on the decline. So the more junk you put in your body, and here I am sounding like a nutritionist and a doctor and all that. But again, people, this is part of the reason why I, I do this is because I want to share this wealth of information. Because if I hold this back, what good is it going to be? And what platform Then better than to spread this out to not only people in my closest inner circle, but people who have never met me in other parts of this world. Well, all that being said, go get this check. Make sure, again, lipoprotein A for your blood panel, which is not in that blood panel, and your coronary artery calcium scan, which make sure you get that cleared by insurance because it can cost hundreds of dollars. But better to know than to not know. And again, this is your health. The greatest investment in anything in life. I don't care what it is. Yes, it's good to have 401k. It's good to have a pension. It's good to have a big giant nest egg, whatever it is. But guess what? You can have all the money in the world. You can live in the greatest home. You can live in the greatest area. But if your health is awful, then guess what? You're going to be fighting an uphill battle the rest of your life. So make sure great health, also great mental health. That's also just as important. But to start off from a physical standpoint, go get those things checked. If you have an appointment or if you have a physical coming up, make sure you ask your doctor about that. In fact, He'll be really intrigued as to why you're bringing those up because not many people are aware of this. So let me get out my soapbox or my health soapbox and just say, people, get that checked. And uh, I'm sure you will certainly not regret it when the time does come. All right, so that'll be it for this week's episode of the J Reels podcast. Of course, you could uh, check me out on my social media accounts, as I mentioned before. Uh, Obviously, the website as well, jreels.com. More on the event with Tony Delk this coming Saturday, August 25th. Please, people, I say this each and every week, and of course I'd be remiss not to, uh, to go ahead and please subscribe to the podcast again, as I've said time and time again, your contribution. Uh, just a couple of swipes, a couple of uh, sentences for a review, four-star rating, five-star would even be better, but whatever you, whatever it is, I'd rather have you be honest and forthright as to what you think that I do each and every week to provide the latest and greatest in the world of sports, to entertain, to engage, to inform, all that. But most importantly, to be credible because that's what it's all about. Got to call it as I see it. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, please just take a second to subscribe, tell your friends, let them know, clue them in on what's happening. As far as my program is concerned, I'm great, greatly appreciated and grateful and thankful for uh, all your participation and uh, just keeping up with the podcast as well. If you need to shoot me an email, you can send it to the Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, obviously anything you want to post on my social accounts, social media accounts which is uh, jreels on Instagram, jreels one on Twitter, J Reels podcast once again on Facebook, please feel free to do so. and I'll be back here next Monday with another edition of the J Reels podcast as always come and correct, direct and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Until next time on the j Wheels Podcast, on the flip, baby.